good to have you today for visiting with us. We're always excited about having visitors come our way. And um, we're just delighted that you chose us today. We have a Bible giveaway and a certificate. Uh, so Stephanie, if you'd come up here real quick, please, I appreciate it. Stephanie accepted Christ as her Lord and Savior last Sunday and was was baptized by Aaron, and we're just thankful for that. We always present you present those with a Bible and a, whoops and a certificate. Thank you very much, and that's free, by the way. Okay. And um, so we want to present you with a certificate and this Bible. But before we do that, so let's just uh, repeat after me. This is God's word. Is God's word. It, is it is the truth, cover to cover, cover, to cover. Book, to book. book to book, chapter to chapter, chapter, to chapter. Verse, to verse. verse to verse, word to word. It is the truth. It It can change my life if I let it. it. Oh, Lord, Lord. let me let it. it. And the church said, amen, amen. Amen. There you go. Let's have a prayer. Father God, we thank you so much for new life. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to come to know your son, Jesus the Christ. I pray, Father, for Stephanie and her walk with you, Father. May it grow every day. May she take your word and inhale it into her spirit. And may it be lived out in her life in a way that will shine for you throughout her life. Thank you again for all that have come today. And if one hasn't accepted you, Father, but they're on the verge of thinking about it, may they listen closely to their spirit because you are calling. Father, please allow them in their spirit to hear you today, to come to know Jesus as Lord and Savior, Stephanie has. Bless her all the days of her life. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you. Give her a round of applause. On a hot July afternoon, a farmer sat in front of his old shack. I guess this is probably in Kentucky where I'm from, Logan. And um, along um, came this stranger. And a stranger simply asked, how's your cotton coming along? And the farmer simply said, well, I didn't plant any. Afraid of boll weevils. He said, well, how's your corn doing? He said, well, I didn't plan any, afraid of the drought. He said, well, how about your taters? When you come from Kentucky, you can call them taters. And he says, how's your taters doing? He said, I didn't plan any. And he said, I'm afraid of the tater bugs. So he finally asked, he said, what in the world did you plant? Farmer simply said, nothing. I just played her safe. I often wonder when I read that again, I often wonder if that's the way we are in our world today. That we just kind of play it safe. That we have become so accustomed to the values of this world rather than the values of God. And we, as Christians, even find ourselves from time to time not holding on to the values that God has given us throughout His Word, but we often find ourselves holding on to those things of the world. And we just say, as the old farmer did, I ain't planted nothing. I'm just playing her safe. Several months ago, we started a series entitled Spiritual Growth. Have no idea when it's going to end. God will let us know that, I guess. But however, the last few weeks, we've taken a little detour. We congratulated all of our seniors on senior day there and, and all their well wishes there. And then last week, of course, we took time to celebrate our mommies and how special they are in our lives and what they mean to us and all those things. But today, I want to get back to the Spiritual Growth series, if you will. And I want to talk to you this week about spiritual growth as a Christian and through Christian values and the importance of that in our life. 
So here's the challenge this week. I normally give the challenge at the end of the service, but today I want to give it to you up front. And I just want to be able to share with you something that I think will help you throughout your life, but also, you know, each and every day. So my challenge for you is simple. It is that each day that you take time, whether it's in the morning when you get up, brushing your teeth, or maybe on your way to work, or way home, or maybe even at bedtime if you've forgotten throughout the day, but just ask yourself the simple question. Ask yourself once a day, are my true values in life mine? Not my mom's, not my dad's, not my mate's, mine. Are my true values in life, are they really reflecting the God that I say that I serve first and foremost. I think when we do that, we evaluate ourselves. And when we evaluate ourselves, evaluation is a good thing. It's good for us because it allows us room for improvement. But it also allows us to see the things that we need to make the adjustments in our lives about and on. And we'll talk about that. Next week, I think God has laid it on my heart early this morning, but I'm going to talk about next week, hopefully, and hold me to this, but we're going to talk about the spiritual growth through failures, of all things, through failures. And I think that's important as well. When God's people fail to allow the Word of God to to penetrate them first, and they fail to remember that without God we are these unholy people, but we have to seek His righteousness and seek it in our lives on a daily basis we will continually look more and more like the world around us instead of like the children that God has called us to be in our lives. We are called to be strong and courageous just like Joshua was in the Old Testament, to be strong and courageous in our walk with God. This is our time. That was Joshua's time, and he was strong and courageous. But God reminded him over and over, this is what I want for your life, but you need to be strong and courageous in that. For if we are not strong and courageous, we all know what happens. The world moves in with its values, and it's done at an alarming rate. But it'll move in, and it will take over the values that we say we have. And they allow, uh, allow ourselves to become weak and not strong. And in that process, we can lose the battle. We can lose it individually or collectively as a group of people, a community, and even great, a great nation can lose its way because of its lack of Christian values. So I say it like this as we begin this message today, is that your dominant life values are what guide you. And you already know that. What you find valuable in your life is the thing that drives you in life, and it gets you the results that you're getting in your life. It always works that way. So the question is really easy up front. If you're doing a Bible class, you simply say, what are your Christian values? What what is your dominant life values, in other words? What are they in your life? That's why it's so important to spend time looking at them and, and questioning yourself, what really are my values? Why? In that process, because not only for yourself, but for the next generation, your children. Because your children pull off of your Christian values or your non-Christian values. And that's what takes us to the next generation and to the next. We are pulling off of our fathers and our parents' values of their life. And then we mix in some of our own. And then we, we pass that to our children and they mix a little bit on their own. Well, what happens with that if we don't go back to the Word of God and grow spiritually, it, doesn't, it, it becomes diluted 
And when it becomes diluted, it becomes accepted to the Christian that these are Christian values, which they are not Christian values at all. And we can make a list of all of those things, and I'm sure that you have one running through your mind. But in this process, what are your dominant or life values? Spiritual growth, true spiritual growth that we've been discussing can only come through right values that develop, that you develop in your life. If you don't develop Christian values, you will only have one element left, which is world values. It's a fact. This is why it's important to study the Word of God. This is why it's important to come to a Bible class. This is why it's important to come to the assemblies. This is why it's important for you to read the Word of God. Why? So that you can inhale, as we mentioned earlier, but you can get this in you, these Christian values, so that you can live them out in your life. Discovering. Discovering and developing these Christian core values is the key to your success, spiritually speaking. The personal core values you believe in, apply to your life, will be the foundational of everything else or will be foundational to everything else that you do in life. For our children that were graduating, that we lined up here, and for these little ones that are just babies now and they'll grow, and it will, it will be the factor of, that'll be the foundation of, of what they're going to be in life and where they're going to turn out and how they're going to turn out in their lives. That's why it's so important. The core values are not your preferences. They're not, it's not that you uh, uh, dress the way your great-grandparents did or even think like your great-grandparents did. It's not about preferences or styles or even appearance. And it's not even the arguments of the styles and appearance that others might have around us. Those are only your preferences and your opinions. And we all have them, as we know. Core values. Core values do what? They signal your life's bottom line of what it is that you stand on, that you have made clear for you to see, for others to see around you, what you believe and what you are willing to live and are living your life by. And that is valuable for you. Jesus makes it clear in Matthew chapter 7. And he begins with a story. This story is almost, it's one of the most familiar stories because we tell it to our children so often. We even sang the song. We've even made a song after this particular passage. And it is powerful because it speaks of volumes to our lives. It says, every, Jesus speaking here, every one of them, everyone that hears these words of mine and does them will be like a, a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon the house. But it did not fall. Because it had been founded on the rock. The opposite of that, and everyone who hears those words of mine and does not do them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. Then the rain fell and the floods came, the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell and great was its fall. People, individuals, groups, churches, and even nations rise and fall based on their core values. This is why it is so important for those of us that call ourselves Christian, that live in the United States of America, built upon Christian values, 
Here's my take on that. If you don't like the values that the United States was built upon, find another place to live. I think what may be missed and failed to see in all of these things in this passage here is this. The guarantee of rain and flood and winds, regardless of the foundation. So you need to understand that they're coming in your life. They will be there for Stephanie that is a new Christian. But for those of us that have been for Christians for years now in our lives, regardless. The world's view, however, is this. It doesn't matter anymore. Because we can control the wind and the rain and the floods. And they cannot harm us. Well, they're finding out just a little bit different in Hawaii these days, aren't they? You cannot control God. Building on right values is building on the rock, a foundation that does not move. This assures us or assures you, all of us, that when they come, not if they come, that you will not fail, but you will be victorious. You will be victorious. Why? Because you were wise in choosing the right foundation. Wise man. Get it? In the same thing, building on the wrong values, uh, on the sand, if you will, in this one, it assures you that when the floods do come, because they will in your life, you will be very aware, and people are aware, that they are not in control, and that God is. They are not in control. It is foolish, the foolish man that thinks that they can stop God. Underlying all the basic teachings of Jesus himself are the principles and the values which are essential for your living a healthy Christian life. It's the value of those. How much do we value them? How much do we want to grow spiritually? Are we satisfied? That mediocre, that middle of the line, this is good enough. A 500 season, coaches. You don't want a 500 season. Well, somebody might. Somebody might just say, you know, that's better than 1 in 10. Well, it is better than 1 in 10. But if you shoot for mediocre, you're bound to hit it, my friend. God wants us to shoot for excellence. And we find excellence in His Word and through the Christian values and principles that are lined out through the Bible, God's Word for us. Where do you get your values? Where are your children getting your values? Have you taught them enough before they leave home of where to find their values? We pray that is the case. The world around us once, once again is teaching us at an alarming rate that the values of God is in the teachings of God are not only outdated, but they are discriminating. They teach, the world teaches that God's word is discriminating. And for some reason, we've allowed them to do it without saying a word. Because they silence us in our convictions, and we should never be about that. Puxatani, Pennsylvania. It's known for Groundhog Day, of course. But it's known for uh, another story about a man by the name of Donald Wyman. It's a long story. It's a wonderful story. It's a great testimony. But here's the gist of the story. He was by himself deep into the woods, when he was pinned down by a fallen tree, it had crushed his leg and he was bleeding out. 
and he knew there was no way to contact anyone, any way, know how it wasn't going to happen. There was no way to get free. There was no help to be had. With nothing more than his pocket knife, he amputated his own leg. He tied it off. He drug himself to his pickup truck and drove himself to the hospital. When he was interviewed, he was asked, what, what, what did you feel like in all of these things? Uh, uh, kind of a dull, dumb question to me, but he said these words, it was a terrible ordeal, you think? But he said this, I had a life and death situation and that was my only choice, life or death. I had so much to live for that I did the only thing that I could do. I chose life. Wow. He chose something. This is his bottom line. My leg is not worth my life. This is where I draw the line. I choose life. What do you choose? What do you choose? Jesus told, Jesus told us how to live forever. In John chapter 4, in the gospel there, he, he spoke of the water that would bring eternal life. In John chapter 6, he spoke of the bread that would bring eternal life. And in John 17, a real plain verse there for us all to see, it says, now this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Do you know Jesus Christ, who God sent? You've chosen life. Good for you. It's pretty plain there to see, I think. The problem is that we are and have been allowing the world around us to steal the truth from us. The truth of that fact that Jesus is life from us and replace it with an imaginary make-believe image of God. I like what Jeff Walling said years ago. I don't know if he still says it in his conferences or not. He probably does. He said it's It's time that we take back what the world has stolen from us. And I think it is. You see, a problem is imaginary gods don't exist. We can make them as big as we want to, but the problem at the end of the day is they don't exist. It's like the golfer. You've probably heard of the golfer. This one's for Jim and Mike, Phil, Norm, Stan, all you golfers out there. He's really having a bad time golfing. He just, his head was not clear. And so he decided he's going to go to a psychologist. So he goes to a psychologist and, and said, hey, I need some help here and all this stuff to relax. And I know I need to get back in the game and all that. And so the advice was given to him by a psychiatrist, psychologist, was to go and play a normal round of golf, but use an imaginary golf ball. He said, that sounds like it'll work. So he went off to the golf course and he, he gets out his imaginary golf ball, his imaginary tee, and places his imaginary golf ball on the tee. He pulls out his real driver and he looks down there, down the fairway. He swings through and he drives it. And I mean, it's way down there. Furthest he's ever drove. He walks up to his imaginary golf ball. He pulls out his five iron or whatever and he snacks it onto the green. And he's a birdie, man, he is excited. All the way through the course, man, he is having one heck of a game. Until he gets to the 18th hole. 
He gets there and he meets another golfer. We often do that. He wasn't playing fast enough. But nonetheless, he meets another golfer. And this golfer actually was playing the same way with an imaginary golf ball. Imagine that. So golfers often do this. I don't because I don't golf anymore. But golfers say, hey, $10 a hole. Okay? They agree to it. So the first guy, he got his imaginary golf ball and his imaginary tee, pops it down there, and he pulls out his driver, and he's holding it there, and I mean, he swings through, and he drives it 285 yards right down the middle of the fairway. I mean, one heck of a shot. Next guy gets up, he takes his imaginary golf ball, imaginary tee, places it on the tee, and he swings through, and he drives it, I mean, identical to the other guy within just inches from the other guy's ball. It was amazing. They get down there. The one guy pulls out his little nine iron. He stands there and he looks at his imaginary ball. And he swings through, pops it up on the front of the green, rolls around, rolls around, and plops in to the hole. And he says, I am the winner! To which the other golfer says, no, you're not. You just hit my golf ball. (laughs) Imaginary. You cannot make an imaginary God and expect to win the race. It just doesn't happen. And yet that is exactly and precisely what the world is trying to get us to believe. It really doesn't matter which Jesus or someone else that you serve. We all get to the same place. Imaginary. An imaginary God cannot help you grow spiritually. Quit playing with an imaginary God. The book of 1 John tells us about our real God. It's a wonderful read. It's about 105 or so verses. It takes about 10 minutes. A person like me, dyslexic, probably uh, maybe 15 minutes or so. And it's a beautiful read. And I would encourage you to read it this week. But in 1 John chapters, uh, chapter 1, verses 5 through 7, the, the heading on that of this in, in the NIV, it says, Light and darkness and sin and forgiveness. Now, light is the opposite of darkness. Darkness is the opposite of light. We know, and sin is what we do, and forgiveness is what we want. We like that. Because we know we sin, but we want forgiveness. But there's two ways of trying to do that. There's a God way and an imaginary way. And the world tries to get you into the imaginary way of getting forgiveness is to move and play with an imaginary golf ball. That's what they try to do. So listen to these words. They're very familiar. This is the message we have heard from him, that's being Christ, and declare it now to you. And so he's now declaring it to us. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. I'm the way, the truth, and the life, so said Jesus, and he is. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now hang on to this, these verses right here, because I'm telling you, they speak volumes. Just these three short verses, a good minister could really preach a message on this one. I'm just going to give you a little highlight of it, Okay. In this section alone, it gives us a glimpse of who our God is. He is light. He's not some light, a little light. 
He's not a light that you can turn on and turn off. He is light. What does that mean? It means that he is visible at all times. God is not hiding from you. Darkness. We all know that darkness hides things. We all know that light brightens up things or exposes things. The world loves darkness. Scripture teaches us that, but we know that just by watching the world around us. Is it true? Sure it is. So the world loves darkness because it loves to hide its evil doing. By doing that, what do they do? They simply think that if no one sees it, I can get away with it. And so what the world has done now is they've moved in a little closer with their imaginary God. They simply say, let's just change the laws. And if we change the laws, I'll be in the light. No, 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 no. You're still in darkness. You just think your dark is light. And in that process, it begins to uh, uh, spiral out of, out of control, even in our world today. The Christian, you and I, that's why we're here. Are, are you here just to punch a card or are you here to grow in your relationship with God? Are you here just because it's Sunday? Are you here just because mom and dad always brought me, so I guess it's a place to do. I don't have anything else to do Sunday morning, but hurry up, the ball game's about to come on. But listen to this. The Christian is to walk in the light for the light. In the light, we not only see clearly. That's why you get up in the middle of the night, you turn the light on. So you can see clearly. But this is the clincher. We stay purified, according to these verses, purified from the consequences of our sin. Because we're not perfect. We find ourselves getting to darkness sometimes. We find ourselves failing too often of the times. So that we know that if we're in the light of Jesus, then we know that we are purified from all our sin. That sin too. And that's why we praise God. Give me an amen. It's amazing to me how in this world in which we live wants everything that they eat and drink to be purified. Isn't that the truth? Everything. Don't eat that lettuce. <laughs> right? Look at the water. I can't take it out of the tap. This is Lawton, Oklahoma. I'm on a purified. Right? That's what we do. It's amazing that people in the world want everything to, they eat and drink to be purified so that they can live this healthy life. And that's a good thing. Yet they refuse the very thing that can give them the eternal life. I, I find that mind-boggling. I might die someday, but I'm going to die healthy. What's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life? You see it? I'm going to live. This is what I tell people. I'm going to live until I die. And then I'm going to live forever. If you eat and drink of the world's values, your spiritual growth will diminish, period. Because you are feeding upon something that is contaminated. If you eat and drink of the values of God, you will have an eternal life. God's promise. Not the preacher's. God's. I'll finish with this. I heard a comedian once in front of his audience. He yelled out, Christians are so poor. And they yelled back, how poor are they? The 
comedian replied and simply said, Christians are so poor that they only have one God. And the audience laughed. But you know what? He was right. He was right. We do have one God because there is only one true God. But he was wrong. He was wrong in saying that we are poor. For in fact, that is what makes us rich. Thank you. Our Christian core values matter. The way to start that and develop those values in your life is to have a personal relationship with Jesus, God's one and only Son. Do you have that today? You already know the answer to that. It's either yes or no, and you've already said it in your mind. You may not have said it off your lips, but you already know that. It's either yes or no. Because if it's yes, you have him as your savior. If it's no, you've never surrendered your life to him. You are living your own values out thinking that that's going to do okay. You can't make it. But in God's great love for you, he said, if you will give your life to my son, I will give you eternal life with me. So today, if you've never accepted Jesus Christ, we encourage you just to think about that for a moment. And we would, I would encourage you to simply say these simple things. I put my trust in Jesus Christ for his life paid on the cross, paid for my debt. And I accept what you offer through your son, Jesus the Christ. If you've never experienced the new birth, we encourage you to do so. We encourage you that because Jesus is the one that implemented baptism. And he talks about that in the special way and how it is for our lives. But if you don't believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, you can live in the water. It starts with a belief in your heart that Jesus Christ died for me. But perhaps today you would like to be baptized. Your sins will be removed and you're now something happens to your life which means the Holy Spirit moves in and resides within you. Once again, Max Licato said it's the DNA of God somehow placed within inside of us because we are adopted into His family through Jesus and Him alone. Or maybe today you have a prayer request. You've just taken that little road and you've just really made your own priorities or you find yourself just fading out in and out a little bit. It's kind of like a radio, the old days. You know, when the old days you used to tune in a station, it's there, but it wasn't quite clear. And you're trying to get it, you know. Down goes Frasia, down goes Frasia. And I left it there. That's for all you old folks. But in that process, what God is trying to do is he's trying to get you just to tune in. And what he wants you to hear is, all he's wanting to do is a little blurry right now. But listen, he wants to tune in. He wants you, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Turn it up. 
I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. Let me pray for you. Father God, thank you for the amazing grace. Somebody here today is stirring. I think Jeff Noel put it really good on Wednesday night in class when he said, I think the marks on the back of the pew are still there that I was clinging to before I gave my life to Jesus. I'm thankful that he gave his life to Jesus. And I believe someone here tonight, today, is clinging. Help them just release. First step. They'll take one step. All of that fear, all of those anxieties will just go away. Help them to just release and trust you today in the power of Jesus' name. Let it be so. Amen and amen. If you need to respond in any way, you come. Let's together we stand and sing.